Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind adjust the theme, crossing new frontiers to conquer today's challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Philip Emma In April 1967, I was 12 years old, and my country of birth, Nigeria, was torn apart by the earlier bloody military coup of January 15, 1966. During that coup, our Prime Minister, Abubakar Tafawa Balewa, was killed. Six months later, Nigeria was again torn apart by a bloody counter-coup during which, which its new military president, Major General Johnson Aguirre was killed. By September 1966, up to 30,000 Igbo-speaking persons from the southeastern region of Nigeria, who were living in Nigeria but living outside Igbo land, were killed. The killings of Igbos were fueled by the anger over the earlier killings of prominent Northern Nigerian leaders, including the first premier or governor of Northern Nigeria, Sir Amadou Bello. Hundreds of Northern Nigerians, mainly Hausa and Fulani-speaking persons that were living in Igbo land, or in the southeastern region of Nigeria, we are also killed. They were killed in retaliation for the killings of up to 30,000 Igbos who were living in northern Nigeria. In the aftermath of those killings of up to 30,000 Igbos, one million Igbo-speaking people fled to their ancestral Igbo land. I was one of those one million Igbos that became refugees in their own country, Biafra. In late April 1967, I fled as a refugee from my school dormitory. It was late morning and outside my dormitory called Irame House at St. George's College, Obinomba, Nigeria. I was a little surprised to see my mother, Mama, in front of Irame House. She traveled to Obinamba from our residence at the nurses' quarters of General Hospital Abo. My seven-month-old brother, Peter, was strapped to her back with a swath of colorful Nigerian lapa cloth. In April 1967, the Nigerian ethnic killings and civil uprisings has worsened and about a dozen Igbo-speaking students from the heart of Igbo land, who we are studying at St. George's College, we are withdrawn by their parents. So without being told, I figured out that the reason Mama came to Obinomba was to withdraw me from St. George's College and that my family will be fleeing from Abo to our ancestral hometown of Onitsha that was east of the River Niger. A few minutes after Mama's arrival, we were in the principal's office, waiting to pick up my school transcript as well as a testimonial letter that was written by my principal, Father Thomas Kennedy. I had a special relationship with Kennedy whom I traveled with on every other Sunday morning and as an altar boy in the Catholic Church in Obiaroko and in the intimate chapels in Obinomba, Abavo, and Umutu. An hour after I had received my school transfer documents, 
Mama, Peter, and I boarded a taxi. The taxi was a five-passenger Peugeot 403 sedan that squeezed in eight adults plus my eight-month-old brother, Peter. After traveling for 33 miles, we arrived at Abo Motor Park that was inside the main market of Abo. Up to 30,000 Ibus were killed in reprisal attacks that took place across the northern region of Nigeria. The new military government of the southeastern region of Nigeria was led by Colonel Odimegu Ojuku. He exploited the bad situation by fanning fears of ethnic cleansing. In major Igbo cities, including Onicha and Enugu, posters and cartoons warned Igbo-speaking people that Hausa and Fulani-speaking people will kill them unless they secede from Nigeria and form a new nation called Biafra. The irony lost on us Igbos was that 40% of Biafrans weren't Igbo-speaking people. Those 40% non-Igbos were the Efics, Ibibios, and Ijaws. As regional minorities, they resented how the Igbos dominated them during the era of the southeastern region of Nigeria. The non-Igbos in the new Biafra feared that Igbos would oppress them and preferred to remain in Nigeria. In early 1967, Igbo-speaking people within Nigeria, who were living outside the southeastern region of Nigeria, were fleeing back to their ancestral Igbo lands. In late April 1967, my parents and seven children lived in a modest two-bedroom apartment. That apartment was one of the four nurses' residences that were known as the nurses' quarters of the General Hospital Abo, Midwest region, Nigeria. Within those four nurses' residences, our apartment was the one closest to the main road that led from Benin City to Abo to Anicha. The huge compound next to our front yard was the prison yards of Abo. As a staff nurse at, the, at that general hospital, my father was on call 24 hours a day and seven days a week. My, my maternal grandmother died in Onicha and on Christmas Eve of December 24, 1966. As a staff nurse on a 24-hour call, my father couldn't travel to Onicha that was only 50 miles away, and do so to attend the funeral of his mother-in-law. As a nurse, my father assisted the surgeon and worked long shifts whenever a terrible road accident occurs near Abo. That general hospital was the only one for the 20 mile radius around Abo. That general hospital was the emergency room for automobile accidents that occurred along the roads leading from Benin City through Abo to Asaba. A frequently asked question was this, who is the father of the supercomputer as it's known today? My contributions to the invention of the first world's fastest computer as it's known today and as it's expected to be known tomorrow, we are these. I discovered that Amdahl's law as described in computer science textbooks and by supercomputer scientists wasn't a law of physics. Amdahl's law was a law established by Jean Amdahl. The common 
interpretation of Amda's law was this. When one million processors are used to tackle one grand challenge problem, including the most difficult problems that arise in science, medicine, and mathematics, the supercomputer scientists could at most achieve an eightfold increase in speed rather than the million-fold increase that was hoped for. With that belief, that quote-unquote, that quote-unquote, Amda's law will get you. The supercomputer manufacturers of the 1970s and 80s only used up to four custom-manufactured million-dollar super-fast processors rather than one million inexpensive slow processors as done today. The rationale of the leading supercomputer manufacturers was that supercomputing across the slowest processors will forever remain in the realm of science fiction. I'm the first person to know the fastest computer as it's known today. My contributions to the development of the world's fastest computer were these. I discovered how to circumvent Amda's law and how to do so by dividing one grand challenge problem of mathematics that's defined around a globe and dividing it into 65,536 lesser challenging problems and then solving them across a new internet that's a new global network of the 65,536 slowest processors in the world. Those processors are used to solve those 65,536 problems. They possess a one-to-one -one processor to problem correspondence between my new internet and the 65,536 smaller problems. I discovered that the Amda's law limit wasn't a physical limit. Amda's law was a limit maintained by our insufficient knowledge of how to assemble one billion processors and make them parallel to one billion problems that in turn we are created by dividing one compute intensive problem into one billion lesser challenging problems. In my scientific discovery that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, my world's fastest computing pushed Amdahl's limit by a factor of 65,536-fold down the road. Looking further in time, quantum computing could be the next fundamental change. However, I believe that the quantum computer will always have limited use. In the early 1980s, I embarked on my journey to the frontier of knowledge of the world's most powerful computers. I did so at a time every supercomputer scientist believed it would be impossible to harness one billion processors and use them as one coherent computer to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics, such as simulating global warming and solve them one billion times faster than one processor solving the same problem alone. I had to follow never-before-treaded pathways that took me to a new internet. The emails I sent traveled from the sending processor to the receiving processor. I had to know those pathways before I could achieve my one processor to one problem correspondence. 
my one-to-one -one mapping was a necessary condition to my bypassing the perceived limit in speed of the world's fastest computer. Textbooks describe that fictitious speed limit as a limit imposed by Amda's law. My discovery of the world of the first world's fastest computing across the supercomputer as it's known today was my experimental confirmation that my new global network of 64 binary thousand processors could be harnessed and used to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics and solve them 64 binary thousand times faster than Amda's law limit decreed. The most powerful supercomputers are each powered by up to 10.65 million commodity self-contained processors which were identical and shared nothing and cost up to 1 billion 250 million dollars each and it cost 40% more than the mile-long second Niger Bridge at Onicha, my ancestral hometown in Nigeria. In the 1980s, there were 25,000 supercomputer scientists in the world. In the 1970s and 80s, the upper echelon of those supercomputing across a billion processors was sparsely populated. In the 1980s, I could use my fingers to count the programmers of the few massively parallel computers that existed back then, but that couldn't then be harnessed to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics. Until I discovered that quote unquote final proof on July 4, 1989, it was impossible to use the slowest processors in the world to emulate the world's fastest computer that was faster than any supercomputer. In the 1980s, I stood out among the 25,000 supercomputer scientists in the world. In that decade, I alone programmed 16 state-of-the-art supercomputers that were abandoned because they seemed impossible to program. Today, the most powerful supercomputer in the world costs $1,250,000,000 each or the budget of a small nation. The reason those 16 fastest computer hopefuls were idle and available to me alone was that no programmer in the world except myself knew how to harness its up to 64 binary thousand processors, which shared nothing. Nobody else knew how to harness a billion processors and how to use them to solve and reduce the time to solution of the most difficult problems in mathematics, physics, and computer science. The poster boy of the 20 most difficult problems in mathematics is the global climate model that must be used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming. Each fastest computer hopeful of the 1980s that was then abandoned and dismissed as a colossal waste of everybody's time was waiting for me, Philip M. Agwale, to harness it as a new supercomputer. Today, 10,000 programmers can work together to use one computing machinery that's powered by 10 million processors. And each programmer will be assigned 1,000 processors that's one coherent and fast computer. But in the 1980s, I was the only full-time programmer of the most massively parallel supercomputers in the, in the world. I knew that fact because in the 1980s, only one programmer 
can lock all the processors of such machineries and do so at once. And after I locked into each massively parallel supercomputer, I felt like I was home alone. I, Philip Emma Aguale, locked all the processors of my 16 supercomputer hopefuls of the 1980s. That was how I discovered how to harness the 65,536 slowest processors in the world. I was in the news because I discovered how to use the slowest processors to develop the fastest computers. My discovery of the world's fastest computing was in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. A student writing a school essay asked me, who is the father of the fastest computers? Any supercomputer scientist that's famous for his or her contributions to the development of the world's fastest computer that's powered by millions of processors was in his or her own way a father or a mother of the fastest computer. Seymour Cray was one of the fathers of the vector computer. However, the vector computer became obsolete on July 4, 1989, the date I discovered that the technology can't power the world's most powerful supercomputers. Therefore, Seymour Cray is definitely not a father of the massively parallel supercomputer that's the world's fastest computer. In his most famous quote, Seymour Cray ridiculed and dismissed the harnessing of millions of processors. He described the new technology as science fiction supercomputing. Computer science textbook authors also wrote that thousands of processors could not be utilized to simultaneously solve the hardest problems in science, engineering, and medicine. In the 1980s, Seymour Cray taunted the parallel computing community. If you were plowing a field, which would you rather use? Two strong oxen or 1,024 chickens? In the 1980s, only one person could be at the farthest frontier of the most massively parallel supercomputing. In the late 1980s, that farthest frontier was outlined by a spherical island of 64 binary thousand off-the-shelf processors. I, Philippe Maguale, invented a new internet, and I contributed new knowledge at the farthest frontier of computer science, where the fastest computation occurs. My new internet was powered by my new global network of 64 binary thousand off-the-shelf processors. That's equivalent to a new supercomputer that's powered by a new spherical island of as many identical computers that we are in constant dialogue with each other. I'm the first eyewitness from that farthest frontier of the fastest computing that can be executed across up to a billion processors. In the 1980s, I was the lone large-scale computational scientist at that jagged multidisciplinary frontier of human knowledge that was a crossroad where new calculus, largest-scale algebra, highest resolution computational physics, and fastest computing intersect. I conducted my research alone, and I did so at that undiscovered territory where the fastest computing can be discovered. 
In the 1980s, everybody else believed that the fastest computing across the slowest processors will forever remain in the realm of science fiction and will be an enormous waste of everybody's time. The speech of then U.S. President Bill Clinton of August 26, 2000 was an important moment of validation of my contribution of fastest computing to the development of the supercomputer. For me, Philip M. Aguale, my world's fastest computing across the world's slowest processors was motivated by my need to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics. Such problems are described as initial boundary value problems. Most often, a boundary value problem is governed by a system of complicated partial differential equations, such as the mathematical, such as the mathematical representation of a global climate model, which began in the realm of science fiction when it was first published on February 1, 1922. Science deals with facts, while fiction deals with truths. On June 20, 1974, in Corvallis, Oregon, USA, I commenced my search for the truth within that science fiction story that was published on February 1, 1922. I began my science fiction quest by visualizing my theorized world's fastest computing and doing so in a four-dimensional space-time continuum. When computing with only one processor, I visualized time division without space division. But in my world's fastest computing of July 4, 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA, which occurred across my ensemble of 65,536 processors, I visualized both time and space divisions. From my back of the envelope estimation, serial and automatic computing yields one order of magnitude increase over mechanical or analog computing. I reasoned that my first world's fastest computing across four-dimensional space-time we yield four orders of magnitude increase in the speed of solving the most difficult problems in mathematics. The world's fastest computer is a necessary but not sufficient machinery for solving the most difficult problems in mathematics. Such tough problems arise as large-scale geophysical fluid dynamics. Fluid dynamics informed simulations are central to understanding the spread of contagious viruses in the Nigerian buses that pack passengers like sardines. To invent is to make the previously unseen seen. My invention was that I made the 65,536 slowest processors in the world which was previously unseen as a supercomputer, to be seen as the world's fastest computer. My new supercomputer became a new internet in reality. My invention was that I visualized my theorized world's fastest computer as a reality. In the 1970s, that machinery was the world's slowest computer, and the technology only existed in the realm of science fiction. I visualized its inner workings correctly, and did so before the new technology could manifest itself as the 65,536 slowest processors in the world that I used on July 4, 1989, to record the fastest speed in computing. I'm the only father of the internet that invented a new internet.
that's a new supercomputer. I visualize my new supercomputer not as a new computer by or in itself, but as a new internet in reality. I visualize my new internet as a new global network of two raised to power 16 processors. I harness those processors as one coherent supercomputer and did so by maintaining a one processor to one vertex mapping and correspondence with the as many vertices of the cube in the 16-dimensional hyperspace. To achieve the fastest speed, I uniformly distributed my processors across the surface of a sphere that I also visualized as tightly circumscribed by a cube. I visualized that world's fastest computer and did so 15 years in advance and did so before my invention took place. That new supercomputer that manifested itself for the first time back at 8.15 in the morning on July 4, 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA, was the world's fastest computer that I used to solve the most difficult problem in mathematics, which I solved across the 65,536 lowest processors in the world. That new supercomputer began as a tiny acorn or as the singular slowest processor in the world. That processor multiplied to become my ensemble of two raised to power 16 processors. My ensemble became a mighty oak tree in the world of mathematics and became the world's most powerful and fastest computer. The fastest computer in the world occupies the space of a soccer field. My visualizations, which I achieved through my geometrical metaphors of a cube that was tightly embedded within a sphere, was what inspired me to believe that computing across billions of processors, which was science fiction in the 1970s and 80s, could become the science non-fiction of 1989. to discover the world's fastest computing and to invent the technology in 1989 was to make the unimaginable to compute possible to supercompute. In 1989, I invented how to use a billion processors to execute the world's fastest computing and solve otherwise unintractable problems arising beyond the frontier of calculus. Such physics problems define the crux of the 20 most difficult problems in supercomputing. They include, they include detailed weather forecasting, climate modeling, simulations of production oil fields, and large-scale computational fluid dynamics. I achieved the greatest speed and accuracy by discovering that up to a billion processors could compute in tandem to solve as many problems. In 1989, I was in the news because I invented how to solve difficult mathematical problems in extreme scale computational physics. I invented how to solve the world's most compute intensive problems and solve them across up to a billion coupled processors. I was the first person to record the fastest computer speed alone. I was the first person to demonstrate how to harness up to a billion processors, how to communicate synchronously, how to compute simultaneously, and, and how to do both across a new internet. 
First, I invented that new internet as my new global network of 65,536 off-the-shelf processors and standard parts. Second, I also invented that new internet as my new global network of 65,536 identical processors. In 1989, it made the news headlines that an African supercomputer genius in the USA had discovered how to make the unimaginable to compute possible to supercompute. I discovered it's possible to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics, in computational physics, and solve them across an ensemble of up to one billion processors that I invented as a new internet that's a new global network of processors. After studying calculus full-time and for the 20 years that followed June 20, 1970, I understood the abstract mathematics that was behind the partial differential equations at the farthest frontier of calculus. And my mathematical maturity that grew over two decades enabled me to program all my 65,536 processors and do so without physically touching any of those processors. In 1989, I was in the news because my world's fastest computing delivered immediate results. It was a knockout. So I had to know exactly where each of my two raised to power 16 or 64 binary thousand processors was at and know their unique email addresses. I used those 65,000 536 email addresses of the as many processors of that new internet and use them as their binary reflected identification numbers. My light bulb Eureka moment occurred when I visualized that new internet in the shape of the hypercube within the hypersphere in the hyperspace of 16 dimensions. The world's fastest computing across millions of coupled off-the-shelf processors that shared nothing, that each operated its operating system, is advantageous in triple M modeling. That's the acronym for multi-scale, multi-physics, and multi-level simulations. In computational physics, Triple M models are mathematical representations of phenomena at disparate scales. The system of nine Philip M. Aguali equations is part of the mathematical representations of the motions of oil, injected water, and natural gas that flow up to 7.7 miles or 12.4 kilometers deep and across an oil-producing field that's often the size of Abuja, Nigeria. A school essay question is this. What is Philip Emma Aguale most famous for? In 1989, I was in the news because I proved something that wasn't proven then in any mathematics, physics, or computer science textbook. I proved that the slowest processors in the world could be used to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics. Furthermore, I discovered how to solve the most difficult problems in computing and solve them at the fastest speeds in the world. I was the first person to prove that the world's fastest computers can be, powered, can be powered by the world's slowest processors. That discovery that occurred on July 4, 1989, made it possible for the fastest computers of today to leave science fiction books and enter science 
enter science textbooks. I was in the news because I discovered how to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics, physics, and computer science. The grand challenge problem, I leapfrogged from slowest processing to fastest computing. The grand challenge problem that I discovered how to solve is to the world's fastest computer what Hamlet is to the play, the Prince of Denmark. Supercomputing without solving the most difficult problem in mathematics is like staging the play Hamlet without the Prince of Denmark. My supercomputer breakthrough that occurred on the 4th of July 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA, was how to compute the fastest and do so with the slowest processors in the world. My scientific discovery was that the fastest computer or supercomputer in the world can emerge from the bowels of an ensemble of the slowest processors in the world. A school essay question is this. What did Philip Emmanuel invent? I invented how to develop the world's fastest computers from the world's slowest processors. My invention laid the foundation for the precursor to the fastest computers of today. My invention is embodied inside the fastest computers that are now powered by hundreds of identical processors. My invention is embodied inside the state-of-the-art supercomputers. The world's fastest computers are powered by millions of processors that shared nothing, but we are in dialogue with each other. My invention of fastest computing is the reason school essays are written on the contributions of Philip Emma Aguale to science. My invention is the reason it's no longer said that parallel supercomputing is a beautiful theory that lacks an experimental confirmation. I invented fastest computing from slowest processing. For me, Philip Emma Aguale, Inventing the world's fastest computer was like assembling 65,536 pieces of puzzle and doing so to see a never-before-seen Ireland that is one coherent supercomputer, or rather a new internet that coalesced as the fastest computer in the world back at 8.15 in the morning of July 4, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA. If the supercomputer scientist could wave a magic wand that will enable her to solve the most difficult problem in mathematics, or a problem that captures the public's imagination, her request would be this, a demand for an unlimited number of processors to be used to materialize the fastest computing that will enable her to foresee otherwise unforeseeable long-term global warming, as well as deeply understand how to control the spread of COVID-19. How do we develop the world's fastest computer? How do we invent a new supercomputer? How are the world's fastest computers made? People often ask, how is the supercomputer different from the computer? The world's fastest computer weighs as much as 8,000 Africans and is 20 million times more powerful than your laptop. In 1989, I was in the news because I discovered the world's fastest computing. 
I discovered how a million processors can coordinate and work together to solve the same problem. I discovered how to harness a billion processors and do so to solve one complex and time-consuming problem that would be otherwise impossible to solve. My contribution to the development of the world's fastest computers is this. I discovered that an ensemble of a billion processors that are locked together can be programmed to emulate one seamless coherent machinery that's a new supercomputer in reality. I discovered that the number of processors needed to compute fastest is proportional to the compute intensiveness of the problem. More often than not, the most difficult problems in mathematics arise as variations in the calculations called computational fluid dynamics. The mathematical structure of the global climate model differs slightly from that of the petroleum reservoir simulation that I presented in 1989. Both are prototypical problems of large-scale computational fluid dynamics. How are the most powerful computers used? The most powerful computers are powered by millions of coupled processors. Supercomputers are instruments of modern science that must be used to make scientific discoveries and techni technical breakthroughs. The fastest computers are used to predict the paths of hurricanes, predict when an earthquake might occur, predict global warming, understand gene therapy, discover new molecules that could lead to new drugs for combating a global pandemic, and more accurately forecast the spread of the coronavirus through communities and to test the impact of various social distancing measures. Supercomputing helps discover antiviral drugs and develop vaccines in months rather than in years. The fastest computing across a billion processors is both a journey and a destination my scientific discovery of the world's fastest computing fueled the quest for a new destination, namely the next horizon in supercomputing. That new horizon is called quantum computing. How to develop the spread of COVID-19? How to model the spread of COVID-19? Within that new horizon resides in the realm of science fiction. How to simulate the weather within that new horizon is still beyond our understanding. Fastest computing across an ensemble of a billion processors changed the logic of sequential computing. That logic changed from solving one problem at a time to solving many problems at once or in parallel. The fundamental change was this. The sequential thought processes of the past were replaced with parallel thought processes of the present. A theory is not positively true. In the 1970s and 80s, my research quest was for the solution of the most compute-intensive problems in high-performance supercomputing and as large-scale computational fluid dynamics. In retrospect, and in the language of the world's fastest computer, the most important question in computer science is this. How can we use 10.65 million processors and use them to invent how to compress 10.65 million days or 30,000 years of time to solution within one processor to merely one day.
of time to solution across a spherical island of 10.65 million processors. The news media, including the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal, noted that I, Philippe Magwale, discovered how to use as the world's fast, fastest computer a new internet that I invented and how to use that technology as a new global network of up to 1 billion off-the-shelf processors or as a spherical island of as many identical computers. I invented how to use that new internet to reduce 65,536 days or 180 years of time to solution within one processor. I invented how to reduce that 180 years of time to solution to barely one day of time to solution across a new global network of 65,536 processors which outlined and defined my new internet. How do we achieve a quantum leapfrog to the fastest computer? The reason my experimental breakthrough made the news headlines in 1989 was that I, so to speak, opened 65,536 doors to the unknown world of fastest computing. That invention was a quantum leap in times to solution of 16 orders of magnitude. It yielded a speed increase of a factor of 2 raised to power 16, or, 65, or a 65,536-fold increase in supercomputer speed. My invention opened doors to the then undiscovered territory of supercomputing across the slowest processors. My supercomputer breakthrough opened 10,649,600 doors that led to the world's fastest computer of today that's powered by as many processors. The quantum increase in speed that I discovered is my contribution to the development of the computer and the supercomputer. My speed increase made the news because it moved the boundaries of fastest computing forward. My contribution to computer science enables the world's fastest computer to compute a million times faster than the regular computer. I discovered how to make the world's fastest computer a billion times faster. On July 4, 1989, I experimentally discovered fastest computing that's faster by a factor of 65,536. That is, I moved the precursor of the world's fastest computer forward and moved it from the theoretical level of quote-unquote what if it can be done to the practical level of, quote-unquote, how to do it. What is a fundamental change in computing? For thousands of years, our human ancestors counted with their fingers and on their toes. 3,000 years ago, an alternative way of counting that used computing aids such as the counting board and the abacus was invented. That alternative way was a fundamental change in the way we look at the computer. The fastest computing across up to a billion processors is the biggest fundamental change in the history of the computer. Fastest computing across billions of processors is supercomputing's defining technical achievement. Computing could be around as long as the river flows and the grass grows. After my discovery, which occurred on July 4, 1989, historians of computer science can no longer mock and ridicule the technique of fastest computing 
across slowest processes, they cannot dismiss it as a beautiful theory that lacks an experimental confirmation. What will the world be like if we have a massively parallel supercomputer that's the size of the universe? Over the past century, the average lifespan increased by about 20 years. If that increase in lifespan continues for another century, the average person could live to age 100. In a century, those extra 20 years could be years of living without the threat of cancer. How do we upgrade a fictional supercomputer to a reality? When I began supercomputing on June 20, 1974 at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, USA, I lacked both the knowledge and the 65,536 processors that I needed to experimentally confirm my discovery, namely that parallel supercomputing is not science fiction. I discovered that the first world's fastest supercomputing across a billion processors is a reality across a new internet that was a new global network of processors. My supreme quest was for how to execute the world's fastest computation and do so not on a computer in and of itself, but across a new global network of identical processors that I invented as a new internet. How can you visualize the world's fastest computer as an internet? I'm the only father of the internet that invented an internet. When I came of age, Back in the 1970s and 80s, it was science fiction to speculate on how to execute the fastest computations and do so to solve the most difficult problems in mathematics and solve them across a new internet. In the 1970s and 80s, I had a geometry metaphor for my new internet. In my metaphor, I visualized the cube as inscribed inside a sphere with both defined and embedded within the 16th dimension. In hyperspace, that hypercube and hypersphere gave my new internet regular form and freedom. Not only that, I used that form and freedom to visualize my new internet as quote-unquote parallel to the grand challenge initial boundary value problem of extreme-scale computational fluid dynamics that I must solve. This is the most difficult problem in large-scale computational and in large-scale mathematical and computational physics. My discovery of 1989 of how to solve this problem on the world's fastest computer enables us to understand how COVID-19 spreads across Nigerian buses that pack, that pack passengers like sardines. My contribution to computer science is this. On July 4, 1989, I discovered how to compute one billion times faster and do so across one billion processors that surrounded a globe and did so just as the internet now encircles the earth. A new supercomputer creates a new science. Like a storm at sea, fastest computing across a million processors has brutally pushed computer science in a new direction and created new fields of study. A million processors supercomputing in tandem changed the course of mathematics. My contribution led to a deeper understanding 
of the internet of tomorrow that could become the supercomputer of tomorrow. My contribution to the world's fastest computing is this. I invented how to email problems and do so one billion times faster and do so to and from across one billion processors that surrounded a globe as an internet. But on July 4, 1989, I recorded the world's fastest computation and did so across the world's slowest processors and across a new global network of 16 times to raise to power 16 or 1,048,576 bidirectional email wires. My wires had a one-to-one -one correspondence to the as many bidirectional edges of the cube in the 16th dimension. I visualized my sphere and cube as embedded within the 16th dimension and as a hypersphere and a hypercube within a hyperspace. Please allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm Philip M. Magwale. I'm a dreamer who dreamt fiction as non-fiction. I expanded the story of science to become a part of that story and the witness. My discovery of how to harness a billion processors and use them to synchronously solve the most difficult problems in mathematics made the new set lines shortly after it occurred on July 4, 1989. How can you visualize the world's fastest computing? We all use geometrical metaphors every time we say, we say on the other hand, up or down. I discovered that my geometrical metaphor of a hypercube that was tightly circumscribed by a hypersphere that was embedded in hyperspace gave my new internet regular form and freedom. Because of that regularity and uniformity in the 16th dimensional hyperspace, each of my two raised to power 16 off-the-shelf processors could communicate that could directly communicate with its 16 nearest neighboring processors and exchange data via emails and do so with its 16 nearest neighboring processors that shared nothing. How are Philip Emma Aguali's inventions used? A school essay question is this. How is the Philip Emma Aguali fastest computer used? My short answer is that the supercomputer could be as useful as the computer. As a mathematician who spent two decades searching for new calculus and new algebra, I discovered that the supercomputer workload from my solution of initial boundary value problems of mathematical physics, such as modeling global warming and doing so across one billion processors increased the speed of the supercomputer and increased it by a factor of one billion. My invention made the parallel supercomputer the new normal and relegated the vector supercomputer to computer museums. My discovery opened the doors that made it possible to harness a billion processors and use them in parallel to accelerate the speeds of compute-intensive petroleum reservoir simulations that were developed in the USA and used in African oil-producing nations. My discovery was used to find new deposits of crude oil and natural gas in the Niger Delta region of southern Nigeria. My invention was used to create geological models of the producing oil fields of Saudi Arabia. My invention was used to analyze data from seismic surveys of producing oil fields of Russia. An oil producing field is up to 7.7 .7 miles or 12.4 kilometers deep and often the size of Alexandria, Egypt. 
My scientific discovery that occurred on July 4, 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA, made the news headlines. My discovery that the world's fastest computers can be built from standard parts called processors was a scientific breakthrough because it provided new knowledge of how to distribute and process seismic data and do both within and across compute nodes. My discovery inspired the use of the supercomputer that's powered by millions of processors. The fastest computers are used to simulate drilling in oil wells, oil fields, to figure out where to drill for crude oil and natural gas, to decide how many oil wells to drill, and to increase the output per oil well. Thank you. I'm Philippe Maragwale. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture.